Hi, I'm Brandon, and I love Hallmark movies. I'm Dan, and I despise Hallmark movies. Hello, everyone. I'm Will Kemp, and I'm somewhere between the two of these guys. <laughs> this is it's the Deck the, the Hallmark, Hallmark Podcast. Deck the Hallmark, it's his podcast. Brandon and friends host his podcast. We hope you like this jolly podcast. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. It's a good day. Yeah, it's a big day around here. I mean, Will Kim Big day. On the pod? I woke up with a little pep in my step today. We've done, we've done 13 or 1,400 episodes. I don't know. Maybe 1,100. I don't know. We got it took eleven hundred episodes to get Will Kemp here. Uh, that's how many it took. He we reached out and Will was like, "When you've hit a thousand, let me know." He thought we wouldn't maybe, get it that far. Which maybe I'll fair. grace you with my presence. Will, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Hey, buddy. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> on the milestone. It's, it's really impressive that you guys have clearly gotten this far. And uh, this could be the last one you do, let's be honest. That's right. Yes, 100%. After Will's admission to being only lukewarm on Hallmark movies, I feel like, I, you know, we there's nowhere to go from there. <laughs> I, I don't buy that for a second. I, I, don't I, I think he's uh, I think he's a bigger fan than I am. But if but if he's not, then this middle chair. That's Will, true. We, we got a chair. We'll put it right here. And you can come. If the acting, somehow the acting and dancing doesn't work out for you, we can, we, you know. South Carolina podcasting might be uh, yeah, in course. your future. Bless you guys. I can imagine myself sandwiched between the two of you and uh, it wouldn't be pretty. We should all stay where we are. And of course, I'm a big fan of Hallmark. Of course. <laughs> of course you of are. Of course. Yes. No, we want to get that squared away. Um, but, but we there's... are going to cut that clip of you being sandwiched between us yes. and use that it's gonna for be, all it's kinds gonna be of really great. We should yes. definitely, yeah. What does this look like? <laughs> That's going to be really good. Take that. Um, but there is life before Hallmark. There is life before acting. We all, um, best I can figure, um, all were children at one point. Uh, unless you're Kyle XY and you were built in the lab with no belly button. Um, but Will, let's start with your childhood. Uh, where were you born and what type of child were you? Were you the type of child that was wow. always looking for attention uh, like I was? Or were you, you know, a, a normal child? child that just did normal kid stuff i don't think there is such thing as a normal child Fair. um god this is like a therapy session <laughs> right buckle in everyone here we go i well i grew i grew up um i'm the eldest of three i have a younger brother who is a triathlete and iron man he's incredibly wow. fit and uh, strength and conditioning coach and then our younger sister is also a dancer she's currently on tour um with the company that i performed with as well matthew Bourne. they're in la if anyone is in la go see romeo and juliet at the amundsen i love um, it and we have I somebody in our chat that said yeah. they saw you in matthew Bourne's swan lake and you were spectacular so there you go bless them bless <laughs> them they're obviously of a certain age which i appreciate <laughs> no comment yeah uh, no no so I, I I grew up in a small village called King's Langley. It's a bit like uh, Game of Thrones, isn't it? Uh, King's Landing or something. But uh, it's King's Langley in Hertfordshire. Um, and I guess as a kid, I was I was both very shy. Um, I I grew up with a pretty intense speech impediment, oh. which um, basically made me more creative and loved playing characters. So I was always in the garden. I was always putting on uh, costumes my grandma used to make me like a robin hood outfit a superman outfit and all these wonderful characters so i would literally have this chest 
where I would literally open up and go like, who do I want to be today? Wow. So as a child, I was very much, not so much seeking attention. I think that came later, but I was much more involved in uh, creating worlds and characters. You're British. I'm just kidding. So did you feel more comfortable? Is it because of the speech impediment, you felt more mm. comfortable in these characters than you did just in your own skin? Yeah, I think so. And that's what then led me to dancing. So my mum uh, used to dance and I was, I guess I was coming up to about nine years old and my mother thought that it would be a great opportunity and a great way to express myself. So she put me into a tap dancing class um, with actually the woman who taught her, um, oh. uh, Elizabeth Harrison in Watford, if anybody knows um, so the area. Um, and that's how I began to dance. So it was quite a sort of organic process from one to the other. And then bizarrely through the dancing years and years of that. And then at the Royal Ballet School and it actually got me back into drama, bizarrely enough. And then Shakespeare plays. Um, and then sort of, I've sort of done a full circle where I'm predominantly acting now, I guess. So you did tap dancing and then you did ballet. Is that how that happened? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. The, so, the Royal Ballet yeah. School in Come on then, bring on the questions about the tights. Oh, no, 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 no. The Royal Ballet School in but London, yeah, that's that's one of those where everybody can get in, right? You just yeah, show up under, and you, you get in there pretty it. easily. Oh yeah. You can be you can be you can just they just grab people off the street and they go They're hey, just happy to be in the Royal Ballet. Yeah, they're it's just like, happy that someone wants to join them. It's like them, which it's is like really Juilliard nice. here. Right. It's just one of these things where if you want to go to Juilliard, you just show up and go to Juilliard. Did did uh does does tap dancing help in any way give you a leg up for somebody who has never done any dance before and just wants to try ballet without any experience? Does it give you any sort of uh, leg up on people? That's a very smart question, actually. I think they're different disciplines, right? But the but the key, yeah, I know. Look at you. Hey, <laughs> no, he is no, that's a pretty uh, good day for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you woke up with a pebble. I did. Set, so, You're right. I mean, that's good. You're right. Yeah, that's good. You should do it's 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 a lovely day today, um, yeah. No, I mean, I guess the key is that for a boy who's nine, back in the back in the what was I was going to be, you know, but back in the eighties, right, late eighties. How old am I? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Basically, to get a boy to go to dance class at that time was pretty impressive. So you do what it takes, and at the time there was a boys class and there was a good 10, 12 of us in that class wow. when I began and we did everything. We did tap dancing, we did modern, we did jazz, we did uh, contemporary, a bit of ballet, drama. By the time I left the Star School of Dance and Drama in Watford, um, uh, it was basically me. I was the only one left. Wow. So there's your sort of like ratio of 12 boys ranging from, I guess I was uh, near the younger uh, spectrum, but but literally I was the only one left. So by the time I then graduated and went to the Royal Ballet School at 16. Wow. Unbelievable. And so you clearly had, a. Yeah. I mean, like to go to the Royal Ballet School, you had to be really, really good. At what point in that time, uh, in, in the early training, did you realize or did your parents realize this might mm. be like a career for you. This is more than just a hobby to get you out of your shell. This is something serious. Mm. 
another great question. Um, 13, it's very clear for me. I, I turned 13 and I knew that I'd found something that if I worked my nether regions off, <laughs> then I could, then I, I could achieve something. And it was tangible because it's literally, I showed up for class every day after school. I worked my <laughs> off and, and literally I was like, I'm getting better at this. And I was passing exams. So I was graded through the ISTD, which is the Imperial Society of Teachers of Dance. Wow. Um, so you literally go through grade one to eight, I think it is. And then it goes into elementary or preliminary elementary and then advanced and all those things. So it, it was a very clear sort of cut um, uh, thing for me that by the age of 13, I was like, I'm getting better at this. I enjoy this. I enjoy the sweat. I enjoy the graft. So it, it was a tangible thing. And that was at 13. Now here, if, if, if I grew up um, and I <laughs> yes. did ballet, please relate your experience to Will Kemp's. No, no, I no. Well, I, this is, I leading, this is leading to a question. I eat a pop tart every day at 10 o'clock. I do. Will, and honestly, uh, you are, I, <laughs> and I bet she's lovely. You are, you are interrupting my pop tart o'clock and it's fine. Um, if, if I grow it growing up in Florida, did ballet, my, my buddies would have ragged on me yeah. and your buddies would have ragged on you. Yes. Is it just different over there or did your, did your buddies rag on you? I think it is different We're we're obviously an advanced species right. in this part of the world. Right. Um, no, it's, I, of course, of course, I, I, I was pretty lucky if I'm honest, I think in, in particularly hearing stories like that. But yeah, I mean, I remember being at school and I had this kid who kept teasing me. I mean, I, listen, I was teased about so many things, <laughs> but particularly wearing tights. Um, and I do, I remember again, vividly going, I guess I've got to punch this guy. <laughs> I guess that's what you do, right? Yeah. You just, I was like, oh, okay. So I just smacked him. And of course I got a detention and it was in gym class and I, remember that we we were put into the dressing room together it was like you two go work it out and so we're there and he's like ah oh, that was a good hit man i'm saying well yeah i'm in better shape than you because i train every day <laughs> and it's like really so what do you do and we got talking um and through that chat we actually got to know each other and actually appreciate and like each other so by the end of that detention he was like, actually, this dude's good. It, and, and this guy's okay. And he's in great shape. So don't take the piss or he'll hit you. Right. So this, um, this guy had a bully hit him, a great life. And then lesson. they talked it out and you wonder why we revolted and, and, <laughs> and, and left England here in America. You wonder why the American revolution happened. I think we just figured it out. I yeah. think we just locked it in just exactly now. Right. That's yeah. unbelievable. What a story. Yeah. Yeah. So lucky. <laughs> I guess, but yeah. yeah. Uh, so you, you, you can, you have a passion, you pursue the passion and then you just kind of mm -hmm. slipped in there and then the ballet kind of like I ended up doing Shakespeare. How does, is that a normal transition? Well, no, I mean, I say that, that sounds very grand and I'd love you to write uh, some my biography. <laughs> uh, Will Kemp does Shakespeare. What I meant by that was that I, <laughs> I found the language of Shakespeare at school okay. actually was the first sort of intro. And it, it, it was it was my way 
into sort of drama and plays. I, I have done professional uh, productions of Romeo and Juliet and things like that, but it was, it was just, it was more about in terms of language and um, finding uh, a confidence, I suppose, and a, a way of performing and, and feeling rhythm with language. And that was my way in a sort of uh, through the dance, through the movement, through the rhythm into language. That was oh, that was what I meant I by, got you. by that. Well, I don't like Shakespeare. I don't get him. I think he's overrated in general. Could you just give me the hard sell? Like, what am I? <laughs> what's what am I missing the, with mean, Bill that we'll like everybody speak else? For all of England exactly. and give the sell exactly. on Shakespeare. Well, yeah. Yes. Okay. I. I mean, I'm definitely not the best person to be asking. You could ask, but virtually any other English actor. Um, but I am called Will Kemp, and Will Kemp was uh, a very famous clown of the times of Shakespeare. He actually was part of Shakespeare's company and created many, many parts within his plays. He then got too famous and too much of a star that apparently Will Kemp kicked him out of the company. I'm sorry, that William Shakespeare kicked Will Kemp out of the company. Wow. Um, but for me, Shakespeare was uh, exactly, it was my transition into speech, into words, into rhythm. And I marvel at it now as, as a 40 blah, 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 old uh, guy. Um, uh, just because I have friends, the memory involved um, to remember Shakespeare. These plays are long, they're intricate, they're, uh, they are beautiful. And the, in a, a nutshell, the language is, is obviously rhythmic, iambic, uh, pentameter but what it does is it it allows the listener almost to switch off because it paints these amazing pictures so rather than get picture 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 it allows the actors and the characters to talk 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 and as a watcher and a listener you're being painted a very sort of slow and gentle picture which twists and turns without even trying to hear every word that makes sense. Yeah, uh, you did. Yeah, I guess it was him. fine. It was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, no, I guess I guess he's fine. Yeah. I, like, I'll give him another chance. But, I just, but from a story point of view, I mean, yeah, you know, West Side Story is Romeo. And All of the stories <laughs> we tell now are his stories. Yeah, yeah but it's exactly. just because he's old. Like yeah. he's he was one of the first. So like, if you if you big whoop, I could have done that. Brand, Brandon can't spell iambic pentameter. Yeah. Okay, I can't wait to read. Your yeah. Wait until you wait until written. you see it. So yeah. It is going exactly. to blow your mind. That's right. So you didn't do any live theater. You didn't do any live theater Shakespeare growing up in London. No, I did. Okay. Yeah, no, I did. Yeah, I did. Uh, I have done. I guess my my uh, first things were in theater, predominantly as a dancer. But then um, I did a production of Romeo and Juliet. Um, I was in Equus with. Daniel Radcliffe oh, wow. in the West End. Um, uh, yeah, I've done uh, plays here and there, but I, uh, I mainly then transitioned into TV and film. How'd that happen? What, what was that? Did you just get an agent yeah. and get an audition or you just like, how'd that work? No, that, that for me again was a real, I was, um, 
lucky enough to be performing on Broadway in Swan Lake, which is the Matthew Vaughan show that your colleague probably saw. Um, and I was approached by agents at the time and they basically said, hey, kid, you ever want to be a star? Hey, <laughs> that kind of thing. I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. However, I am genuinely intrigued and, and have a passion for acting. I already did because the type of work that we were producing as a company was very character driven and very story based. Um, and so I was in Los Angeles at a very clear time performing in a production at the Armisen uh, of Cinderella. Um, and um, was it Cinderella? It might have been the comment. Anyway, September the 11th. Happened. Oh. And the whole of the East Coast tour was cancelled. I remember vividly I was in my apartment, woken up um, to my girlfriend, who's actually my wife, now was with me. And I just turned on and I just said, what the world has just gone nuts. I thought it was a movie. I didn't know what was going on. I um, called the uh, stage m manager and I, I, and I just said, I just said, what's going on? What time is our dress rehearsal? Uh, it was the performance, I think. And she just said, we need to get back to you. We canceled that night's show. And then we went back in and everyone was crying and very, very shaken. And um, we actually carried on uh, for the Los Angeles performances and also up in San Fran. Point being, I was in LA and I just realized life can be so effing short mm. that if you have a passion, if you, if the only thing holding you back is, oh, I don't know if I can do it, just do it. Mm. And that was the time that I had agents like perching to say, if you ever want to go. So I read scripts, I went out, I did tons of auditions. I read for Rennie Harlan um, and uh, a couple of other projects at that time and was cast in my first film. So with Rennie Harlan directing, Christian Slater, Val Kilmer, LL Cool J, Johnny Lee Miller, Clifton Collins Jr., Patricia Velasquez, Catherine Morris, all yeah. these big hits. That, and that movie and there is, I was. That movie's Mindhunters. So to just exactly, literally exactly. going from yeah, a yeah. dancing to being in yeah. a Hollywood feature film out of the gate. Uh, unbelievable. Yeah. Yes. And I think I, yeah, was incredibly lucky. I, I was incredibly right. For, I actually read for a couple of parts in that film. And Rennie Harlan, bless him to this day. He's such a great. I would love to work with him again. And we're, I would, that's, I would love to get back in there with Rennie. Um, he loved the fact that I was an outsider, mm. and he, and for this group of FBI profilers, he needed that one slight loose cannon who could potentially be a red herring for the killer and all of those things. And he just, bless him, he came up to me. We did a read through. The Weinstein's actually with it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, just remembers me actually. They produced, yeah, okay. Um, and he came up to me and he said, I know you've not done this too much. I said, shh, don't <laughs> And he literally winked to me and it was like this. And his piece of direction, we did the whole read through, it went really well. And the producer, it was re a read through of that was like, it was like we were as actors all around the table and around the room were all the money people, all the producers, all the studio, all the casting, you know. And his piece of direction to everyone was like, you learn your lines, I'll make you look good. <laughs> that was it. 
I love it. I was like, there you go. I, I can do that. Yeah. Dude, Mindhunters <laughs> is a wild movie. It's FBI training and they're, it's psychological murder mystery. It's wild. It is a, I remember watching it as a 20 ish year old. Um, it's a wild time. And here's the thing is, Will does that movie and he's like, oh, acting's easy. I'm going to go do Van Helsing next with Hugh Jackman. <laughs> what? That, like, you went from. Yeah. To Hollywood feature film to probably a hundred million dollar plus budget Hollywood feature film. That's wild, man. And in between that, I got a Gap commercial, which went absolutely viral, <laughs> like global. <laughs> um, which was which was basically they ne- basically wanted this crossover kid. That's basically, I think, the sweet spot that I hit was this crossover kid, like. He's a dancer, but he's an actor, but we also want him to do a modeling campaign. It was this weird, it was before actors really had campaigns. Yeah. Now every actor has their campaign. And I was being sort of positioned and offered actually, if I'm really honest, campaigns. And the agent I had at the time said, Will, do you either want to be a dancer or an actor? If you want to be an actor, don't confuse it by doing all the modeling. (laughs) I mean, now I can't get a campaign for love and money. Uh, <laughs> I bet we can find uh, you a campaign. Uh, <laughs> I bet we can find yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Bless you. Um, but no, Van Helsing again was was exa- exactly that. I went in uh, to play the Wolfman, and I just I I did my own spin in the casting uh, room. I basically turned myself into a wolf. Uh, and shredded my skin and sort of threw myself around the casting office. And uh, <laughs> the casting director was like, okay, 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 stop, 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 stop. <laughs> so I thought, well, at least I made a strong choice. Everyone talks about make a choice, make a choice. And I was like, well, I guess I tore up the office and scared the living in out of her. Um, and then I got a call back in front of Steve Summers, the director. And Steve's great. Steve has so much kind of boy energy. He's like, great, great, oh, good. Like this sort of thing. And I got to the part in the scene where I have to like turn into this wolf and I could, I could tell my veins were popping and I was just about to go, you know, full on. And he went, stop, 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 stop. We saw the tape. We know you can do it. Thank you. <laughs> and I was like, damn, I didn't even get to turn into a wolf in front of the director. I've definitely blown this. He just thinks I'm nuts. And then I got the gig. Man. And that was, that was a real trip. And, Hugh Jackman, man. Uh, I still, he's still, I saw Hugh, I hadn't seen him for a long time and I went to see him in New York. Uh, I guess it's the year before last actually in uh, the music man. Yeah. And uh, he's just, oh my goodness, he's such an amazing guy and, and is a big hero actually. Um, and of course the lovely Kate Beckinsale, she was gorgeous. Actually I had to remember I was playing her brother a lot of the time. <laughs> Quite so you got to make a choice but, um, there for sure. Yeah, different vibe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, different vibe. Exactly. Exactly. And then I, Richard Roxburgh also. Oh, man. Uh, back as uh, Dracula. Phenomenal actor and a really, really lovely man. Do you, Some great, yeah, it was a great car. You talked about making a choice and going real hard for that audition. Has that ever gone wrong mm-hmm. for you? Have you ever made just like a huge choice in a re- casting room and walked out and gone, what in the world did I just do? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've said that. I'm sure they've said that. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I I, won't lie to you. I think I've probably run the gamut of excellent auditions to absolutely, we thought he'd be better type thing. I mean, 
and hey, it's, yeah, they were probably right. And um, the casting thing is such a bizarre um, uh, uh, thing, process. You have to be really thick-skinned. I mean, you hear this all the time because it's true. Um, but I will say this. The most empowering thing for an actor is getting the role. Mm. <laughs> when I have people give me a role because they've watched me or they've worked with me before, and actually, this is where I credit Hallmark are fantastic at this. And we'll probably arrive there through the interview. But I had to audition the normal way. The first one I did for them, I haven't had to audition since. Wow. And it's the most empowering thing because there's no questions. Right. They, they cast you. They, they offer you. I mean, anyone, anytime I've been offered a role, I'm always slightly like, slightly... <laughs> Hmm, why are they offering it to me? <laughs> but it's the most empowering thing you can do for an actor because you're basically giving them a gift. You're basically saying, we know you can do this. We trust you. Bring it. It's yeah. yours. You're not, there's not this thing of like winning the role or it's such, it's amazing because then the work begins. Then the fun begins. Yeah. All this, you know, screen testing. And I mean, chemistry tests are often fun because you it is literally that you get to play and see who you're going to be cast kind of opposite i look at auditions now if i can as a rehearsal sometimes i want to try and feel out what the directors are like and what the materials really like and sometimes you you come out of there going i don't think i really wanted to do that anyway <laughs> yeah um you know, yeah. can I really quickly uh, touch since we're still a little bit early on in your uh, on-screen career, you hear a lot about yeah. um, on-screen actors that may, uh, try to do something with Broadway and the kind of the learning curve mm. there from going from on-screen to mm. the stage. I imagine there was a similar learning curve for you going from s stage to screen, but also having to do it kind of surrounded by these mega stars in these first couple of, of mm -hmm. movies that you did, what was that learning curve like for you? And did you feel the freedom to kind of uh, play around and figure out this uh, screen thing versus how you were used to doing mm -hmm. things on the stage? Yeah, I think it's very interesting. I think the essence of it stays the same. Um, but there is, I, I, I have a, an analogy that, um, that, Stage is literally you go from the wings, from a private personal space to a big space in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. On stage. Film, you do the opposite. Yeah. Everything which is big and out there on stage, you then take to the wings. You take backstage, you take into a personal, private but the essence of everything doesn't change. It's just, it's much more of a personal experience. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah that's a great answer. Yeah. Hey, I, um, yeah, but, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Will. no, no, I was just gonna say, but I've, I've had to learn that over a, a lot of time. And the question being about how to adapt, first of all, to be honest, I was so much younger confidence gets you a long way. I, not so much I was blagging because I did the work, but I was lucky to come across people, great, gracious actors like Clifton Collins Jr., who on my first job was like, yo, dog, man, let's go run lines. And, of course, I th thought he meant drugs, but, of course, he is an absolute <laughs> professional. We sat up for hours and we went through 
scene after scene, choice after choice. And when you get a gift of an actor like Clifton, who's actually still a great friend, whom I actually rehearse with and prep with often, actually, when I'm in L.A., it's about the work. So I, I felt as if I was always bringing something. I felt there was a bit of an arrogance stroke confidence. I mean, I had bleach blonde hair in that movie. Yeah, you did. I mean, come on. <laughs> it, it, was, it was, but I learned so much from everybody. But I felt as if I actually had something to bring. So, yeah, it was, it was a, <laughs> a sharp learning curve. Um, but the essence of acting doesn't change. Right. Yeah. There's... There's so much I, I, we have to get to will, and I'm sorry that this has been, yes. you're just too interesting, but I have to ask this question now before I forget it. You, uh, hearing you talk. I listened to hearing you talk about how at 13 you loved the grind of practicing for hours and hours a day. And then hearing you talk about everything that you've been in, you have mentioned someone else. You've mentioned directors and actors and people that put on these plays. It's very clear that you love the craft of this. And so my question is, have you ever thought about doing this from a different angle like does directing interest you acting dance coaching like is this something that when you're done acting in years you've already lined this up it just sounds like you love the collaboration of the grind and so uh, is that something that interests you definitely you yeah that i mean i'm really glad that that comes across um i genuinely do love the process and i and i i choreographed i have taught a little bit as a dancer. Um, uh, I um, am an executive producer on The Dancing Detective, which I co-created with a writer friend of 20 years, Aubrey Day. We're in the process of hopefully doing another one because it did really well for Hallmark. Uh, definitely. I, I have the utmost respect for directing, for filmmaking, for the whole process. And I, I definitely if people decided they didn't want me in front of the camera any more, then I would not leave the arena. Definitely. I come back with a different kind of armor on and I would be gladiating something else. Totally. I, I, I absolutely thrive on the process and the uh, projects that I've had the opportunity to be in the development of, or the creating from a script level to actually being on set and, uh, being open and learning about everyone else's job fascinates me still. Yeah. Uh, and that's like, you can, it, it comes across and I, I'm sorry for the frivolous question, but now we can talk about step up to the streets. No, we great. can talk about step up to the streets, now, nice. which is why we're really all here. Um, you play nice. a 30 year old Dean of a high school in this film about dancing that where you do not get to dance um, as a classically trained dancer in a movie notorious for dancing at any point did you go hey uh i maybe i could i maybe, could step up too i could step up as well i could step up too yeah i could step up also <laughs> too so, yeah yeah also on the i could step that's the british like, remake step, the british remake yeah, exactly. step up also on the streets yes that's is what it's called there you are yeah what up dog yeah <laughs> Let's run some lines. 
Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't touch that stuff. Never. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Never. And Clifton Collins wouldn't no, either, and I want that on the record. Sorry. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's why I said that was my interpretation of what he said. He is a true pro, and I love that man to bits. Um, no, this was an interesting one. I did. Yeah. This was this was a sort of you've you've talked about you know how did you get this this was easy or looks easy and there was stuff this one was a really interesting one because I'd met John Chu before at Paramount he brought me in for another thing he had in development so I knew John um, uh, and I'd met him before and he's a phenomenal unbelievable guy, as you know just yeah I mean right now he's on fire. Um, and so originally they wanted a, a sort of choreographer oh. who wasn't, who didn't, because the, in the original, the role of the person who owned the school was played by Rachel Griffiths, I seem to remember. Um, and the character I originally went up for was a sort of young choreographer who was somewhere between the owner of the school and then all the kids. <laughs> so I was meant to be this sort of, and originally uh, it was more of like a mentor. So I was still a little bit cool, mm -hmm. not quite old enough to run the school. And then they decided to amalgamate those characters. And then I was told, oh, no, by the way, now you run the school. And I was like, really? But I, I'm a little bit too young. I no, 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 it's all fine. And he's also now your brother. <laughs> so, okay, so that's interesting. So I got to do an American accent, which I hadn't really done before at that point. Um, and I was playing a sort of stuffier head of the school right so i was like oh, okay that's not quite so cool anyway i i had a great time on that job it was a real learning curve in signing up to one thing and it ending up to be another and i it's the first job i did where i was surrounded by a lot of younger cooler fitter people i felt very old i don't believe for a second and they were cooler <laughs> well i know it's hard to believe with me thing here in front of you um <laughs> uh but they were and they still are and the dancers on that film in fact i actually was um greeted today at the gym by someone who immediately recognized me from that film <laughs> um uh and was actually a, a great uh ex dancer anyway um uh but for me, I I couldn't have done any of the stuff that they did. And we ended up putting in more teaching with uh, uh, Brianna in the, in the studio. And it, and it sort of played up to him being a bit stuffier and, 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 and a bit uptight. Um, uh, I certainly got quite a bit of flack, so for being all of those things. <laughs> um, uh, but it, 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 yeah, it, it was just the first time that I was, I was in something where, I, where I was not the cool guy and felt slightly a fish out of water. Wow. Uh, yeah. I know we have to get to, to Hallmark. We do. And we will. I have one more question we before about. we get to Hallmark. I have one more too. Of, of course. Go ahead. I want to talk about this. I'll try and be brief because I talk a lot. No, no, no. no you're doing fantastic, great. Man. You're doing great. I want to talk about the Scorpion King 4. Yes, um, absolutely. Nice. Absolutely. One, yeah. because Victor our buddy Victor Webster was in that movie, and we've had him on, and he told some insane stories oh my from gosh. the set of the Scorpion King 4. Yeah. Uh, like almost dying on he the set. He tore his of, ACL, yeah. got thrown off an elephant, and then did another take. Yeah. Like, the dude's crazy. So... 
I mean, it's all an exaggeration, <laughs> right? I mean, Big's tough. He's this big Canadian guy who lifts lots of weights. And he's, you know, buff and ripped, and all the girls love him. And he's got a dog. He's also very sensitive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's really in real life. If you meet him, right? He's not that. He's not really that imposing. You know. He's not that big. He's got a very high pitch voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The worst. Um, no, I love. Big. I want to. My kids adore. He's him. the best. My wife adores him, which is big. <laughs> Fair. In fact, uh, during the holiday season, Victor Webster did a. Uh, um, a segment for us every day yeah. uh, called A Fighting Chance with Vic Webster where we would ask Vic if he if there was any fighting in the movie and he would always just say no. He would just and say was, no every week. That but was the whole bit. 40 different times. 40 different us. times. What a guy. He's the best. Brilliant. He's the best. Brilliant. Um, I want to ask one, do you have any crazy stories from that set? Because it just sounds like it was um, a an interesting uh filmmaking experience to say the least but also i want to know i going to the 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 movies imdb page an amazing picture of you in your full garb do you like have that is that like just ready to go anytime in the closet there yeah just like just good to look at like it's, it's just a nice picture just in well, here actually it's definitely in there. if i had that picture of myself i would send it yeah, to people without the, them asking you know if you go to uh, will at, at christmas con he's got two glossies out one is him <laughs> as the dean and step up two right. and one is him and his garbage right. and uh, the scorpion king he's like dancing i don't know what you're talking exactly. about uh, you need it. and that confuses it everybody does. right there they don't know who i am <laughs> that's wrong. right yeah. yeah that's fantastic but yes this set tell me all about it no, so the only thing I got sent from Mike Elliott, the director, was the sword. And I, I was my big, heavy, beautifully made sword, this great big thing, came in the mail uh, a couple of weeks after we wrapped. And I couldn't take it home. I mean, I was in L.A., so when I moved back to London, I was like, if I ship this, it's going to cost me, you know, hundreds, if not, you know, it's heavy. So I've got that. Um, Scorpion King for me was uh, the first time I met Victor. Um, and it, it, it was the beginning of a real budding sort of brotherhood, kinship, friendship right from that. Because it's part of those characters, right? Um, but I'll tr try and be concise. It was, I love those types of things. That world. That, that adventure, that horse riding, sword fighting, wire work, martial arts world. I adore that. I eat that for breakfast. Um, and to be with the cast that I was with, we were training together every day. I mean, I jumped on and I had like five or six weeks. Victor had been doing this for six months. So by the time he showed up, he, he, he literally, I was like, Oh, great. You're going to stand me next to this guy. I better be funny. I got to be wily. I've got to be, I've got to go like jump through hoops. Cause all he has to do is literally stand there and grunt. Yes. I was like, damn. Um, but he also loves the grind. You know, he loves the grind. Oh yeah. That's just a match made in oh, heaven. And totally. And we had like Lou Ferrigno come down. We had these guys. Okay. Here's the story. We had, um, Big Country Nelson. We had um, uh, uh, Silver. We, we, we had we had the Gracies. I mean, we we had the Jiu Jitsu, the MMA. We had all these people come on set. And Roy Roy Country Nelson, uh, uh, who hadn't really acted before, and you could tell he was slightly nervous, but he really wanted to get it right. And it was about teaching these guys not 
them make contact, right? Because they are so used to actually <laughs> right. hitting people, actually throwing down in the ring that they, they, and they got very worked up. You could see the nerves and they had to like do a piece where they had to say something and then they had to throw a punch and sort of do stuff. And the more we got into it, I could see that the nerves about the lines was so in their brain that once <laughs> they got those lines out, they then just let rip. <laughs> and I've got, and Roy accidentally perfect uppercut. Oh. Perfect. Like, like this, just didn't obviously connect a hundred percent because I wouldn't be here, trust me. <laughs> but he he clocked me, and I've still got a hard lump. Oh my One, goodness! It's like the perfect clock. Luckily, my jaw was relaxed, and it's in one of the takes. And you see on his face, <laughs> so he goes from this sort of bearded, bellied, you know, rough, and he has this incredible um, hook, I guess, where he comes in like this. And you'll watch him now in the ring. And he does one of these things. I duck and he comes under and up. And it literally, I popped all the way up oh, into oh. here. My head rang and I had to put ice on. And it was, I was so, it, because he was so perfect and it was just, it was a connection, but it wasn't a full on hit. I survived. So I don't think there's very many people that can say they survived a Roy Big Country Nelson. Man. Uppercut. uppercut we got to find Amazing. that clip yeah, and then amazing. you know Steven the director's Sol like well we don't need another one we're good we're good we Cut got it. it no it. we got we it we got and it lou ferrigno lou ferrigno i could tell you oh, so many great things about but we've probably done well and steven summers steven summers directed the first mummy movie and directed exactly. van helsing and this is a mummy did you reach out to him and just go like hey man i'm doing the mummy four or did he not care at all yeah uh, I, yeah because what is it? It's it's a sequel to a prequel That's to right. a sequel That's right. to a. It, there's there's yeah. a beautiful thing, and I think his name as an exec producer was even on okay. Scorpion King, that I did. Um, I haven't spoken to him for a long time. I think he's sort of retired. Um, but he's an amazing guy. Um, Lou Ferrigno. <laughs> I mean the Hulk. So I so I ad libbed. I said, "They'll make him angry." Oh but, man. <laughs> And I, I can't remember if that stayed if in that's in the a, movie. There's a couple of good, there was a couple of good little ad that we got in there. All right, well, all right, I got one it. more uh, non Hallmark. Then we got to get to Hallmark and then we've got to have you back on clearly to talk about all of this. And I could just listen to you tell stories Absolutely. all day. Um, thank you. That's a verbal commit. You actually, everyone heard that he's coming back. Absolutely. Um, I'd heard you guys were great, but uh, so far you've been pretty gentle with me. Oh, which I, I mean, God bless you, sir. Uh, you were on CW's Reign. Um, wow. Yeah. Where you got to play for, according to this, 16 episodes wow. uh, as Henry yep. Stewart, uh, uh, who I believe was a wife of Mary, Queen of Scots, one of them, second or third, I don't know. Uh, he, You were playing a someone in British royalty for the CW. <laughs> What is what goes in as a as as a an upstanding speaks the king king's English British man playing a member of royalty for the CW? The crossroads there is absurd, like because you have to do the pulpy soapy absurdity that is the CW, but you also can't go home to your family and be like, "Oh, you're you were really that's what you did with Henry Stewart." So, like, what what happened there? Like, how how did you play it? Like, what was the mindset for that role? 
the, the beginning of that question was basically analogy of my career <laughs> and i'm grateful it was it was the first time that i actually got to to play a a series regular over 16 episodes and it's in uh, and the background to this just very quickly which i think will 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 put it in a good place is that i i knew the show runners i'd worked for two of the writers in the writers room before I shot pilots and was on 90210, which the show runners had also been on. So I had people writing that knew what I could do. So I, I felt going in that I had allies. And so the historical part was a gift because it's existing. But what was uh, sort of not um, expected and was, was gratefully received was the fantasy element. It's historical fantasy, yes. basically. I mean, we were wearing leather pants. <laughs> I mean, they didn't have leather pants at those times. And everyone's hair was all about the hair. And I mean, I loved that. And um, I, I got to really, again, dig my teeth into a really meaty, juicy, you know, essentially an, 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 an unlikable character. <laughs> So for me, it, it was about justifying all of the actions and justifying his behavior. And what the writers gave me to begin with was a character that you see Lord Darnley fall in love with or is in love with and wants to marry her. And it's his mother, overpowering, um, suffocating mother who wants power and control for her son. And it's Queen... Um, Elizabeth that he tries to negotiate with to say allow me to marry Kira and I will never see or travel up to Scotland to see Mary and in that first scene had she have just gone yeah, yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> basically I'd be out the show because the show would be over yeah that's it the end roll so, credits but so you get this guy who's acting on a broken heart saying fine if you won't give me permission to love the one uh, to, to marry the one I love, then f the lot of that's you. Right. I am going to make your life hell. And that's his sort of thing: is that he he um, then Queen Mary basically spreads rumors about him being, you know, an alcoholic, womanizing uh, um, uh, a cad. So he says, fine. If that's what you want to tell everyone, then that's what I'll be. <laughs> so they gave me all this amazing sort of um, great place to begin this unlikable character, which I loved. That's fantastic. Um, and again, horse riding in leather pants. I mean, <laughs> it's not too bad. Yeah, I think we I think we're all there. And we're all there for that. I guess we should get to Hallmark. We should get to Hallmark. Uh, your first Hallmark movie, Royal Matchmaker, is that correct? Yes. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, Bethany, Bethany Joy, Joy Lynn's, Lynn's a Royal Classic. Which, by the way, 
2018, which was actually when we started this we podcast. Started podcast. So we have year. been in this space together for the same amount of time. That's right. Have seen the uh, the changes with the Hallmark and all of that stuff, which we'll get to. Mm. But going back to 2018, you did mention that you had to audition for your very first Hallmark movie. So I want to hear about uh, that mm. audition, but also your your thought process heading into this. Kind of what did you know about Hallmark? Was it a space that you were wanting to get into or was it a space that you didn't even know was really as popular at the time as it was i think probably if i'm really honest the latter i i'd been up in vancouver a couple of times shooting other things pilots and stuff and and in basically in the bar people have been saying oh, i'm here doing a christmas uh-huh. movie and i'm like <laughs> so what's that there's a thing there's christmas movies and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i do one every year so i'm like okay that sounds i mean i guess christmas comes around every year so cool um i i was obviously aware of hallmark the audition came in carolyn mcleod in london um it was ostensibly a prince it was it was to play a prince in a romantic comedy basically and i liked those i felt confident that i had um a pretty good angle on it and a good handle on it it was a pretty normal audition um i had heard from my manager at the time they were more invested and actually were talking about me for something else at hallmark i do remember that so they had obviously at hallmark i believe they became aware of me from rain um and uh it was yeah it was just a regular turn up do as much prep as you have in that i think probably the night yep, before 15 or days of shooting yeah <laughs> do your thing yeah and but cut two being on set uh, yeah it is and i and i will be as honest as i can it it is uh, it is a beast that it takes a minute to get used to mm. and i see it now having done uh, seven coming up to eight i think um, I see new actors coming in and you can tell they're a bit like, whoa, it is fast and furious. Yeah. You, it, and, and it, it is what it is. The material is challenging and it, it's, ch- it's challenging for different reasons than Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> it's not Shakespeare. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Hallmark's Will better Campbell than Shakespeare. Said, Hallmark he, movies aren't he's Shakespeare. Finally, he's admitting That's it. That's what he said. That's we what I was saying quote. at the beginning. <laughs> Hallmark. Just, did he just flick I us off? That. I think he flicked us off. Man, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought the like, way it came onto the screen, I was like, no, he, he, I thought he, he would not. These. He would I, not. He would never. There are certain things <laughs> that I would never do. <laughs> To embarrass my clan. Um, <laughs> no, but it is. They are, yeah, 15 day shoots. And uh, Joy, who um, was a Joy, loves to improvise. Nice. Yep. And, and was changing the script and was very loosey goosey within it. And I, and I was just trying to do the material justice. And I came very well prepared. We had a new draft in at, I was up till 4 a.m. <laughs> the night before we shot. Right reading that draft to try and go through it to see what it's what had changed um and i remember spending a lot of time with her talking about her character my character what was it was uh, it was exhausting it was absolutely it was fun but 
exhausting. I'd never done anything so compact. It's ba- it's it's a TV show in in a in a uh, some movie concept, but it's shot. I mean, yeah, I said it's shot in fifteen days, which is insane. Yeah. I, Did I, you I go think... out of that one going give me seven more, please, or was it like it's a great accent? <laughs> Thank buddy. you. I think I went out saying I think I'm still speaking English. <laughs> I don't know. What I'm well, I th- saying, but anymore. I think the other thing is, is plus I look like this. Well, yeah, <laughs> Joy, know? like what they do with my hair. J- Joy is such a pro. Like she, she's a friend of the show, and she's like yeah. such a pro yeah. of these movies and and crafting them yeah. and cultivating them to make the the mundane very special. And then you have come from being on a show like Rain, where you may have two two set locations, three locations, and you've got you know your pages and your character, and they're doing a hundred pages yeah. and all these locations and all these sets and it's just boom 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 that had to be just like drinking from the fire hose man absolutely and and what was refreshing was that was that to have to have an actor like joy there keeps you fresh keeps you in the uh, moment i mean i could i can see the production around that getting a little bit panicky and and uh, definitely stresses of making our day but that's actually where i met mike roll the director who then uh, I worked with again on Princess Switch 3 yeah. with Vanessa. Amazing. It was also Brad Crevoy produced yeah. that, who yeah. then did uh, Christmas Wolves, of course, which is a big success. So from that experience, there are people that I got to work with again, and I always think that's a triumph because yep. nobody goes out of their way to work with people that they don't want to work with. Princess Switch 3 starred Vanessa Hudgens, Vanessa Hudgens, and And Vanessa Vanessa Hudgens, Hudgens. from what I understand. We did. Yes, and I got to meet all three of them. Yeah, you did. Which Vanessa was your favorite? (laughs) Uh, um, I I actually liked Fiona. Yeah, no, that's the correct answer. We've reviewed all three of those movies for this podcast. Her British accent's not bad. Her British British accent's good. Yeah. It, she's great. She, I have to say, she is more underrated than 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 any one of her peers. She is a friggin' good actress who puts in the work, and I, I think she killed. That. Yes, I love. I, I love those movies. They're great. And um, you, you yeah. did then do Love, Romance, and Chocolate, and you yeah. met Lacey Chabert. Getting yep. getting to do you do Absolutely. your first one, and then the second one, getting to be with Lacey Chabert. Like clearly, you must have. Uh, had quite the uh, impression yeah, uh, after you get that to first one. Two Hallmark movies: Joy Lynn's and Lacey. That ain't bad, what man. That ain't bad. Thank you. I I agree. I've been very lucky. Now, yeah, Lacey's the queen of Christmas. I mean, what was great about working with Lacey? I was solidifying. Oh, this is the brand. Mm-hmm. Lacey for me, it genuinely encapsulates the brand she is genuinely warm she's genuinely giggly she's heartfelt she's sincere she's just that genuine goodness which sounds corny but i found out it's true all i had to do was let her lead Mm. and set that tone and she's she's an absolute joy and i actually can't wait to work with her again on the dancing detective, which is which what I, I, I mean next, hopefully. We but your yeah. the dance the dancing great. That, that you two do. I mean the scene, the tango scene in the water, phenomenal. In that, I mean, oh phenomenal. my goodness, I mean, it's just unbelievable. How do you get like, I don't that scene? We don't have time. We don't have time. But how did you? 
how'd you and Lacey, how like agree on like, we yeah. should do a dancing movie together. Cause you've done several movies. Yes, well, you even show up to dance with her yeah. in Mary Scottish Christmas. I mean, that's clearly your thing. I know. That was fun. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be my sweet pocket within the network. And I'm grateful that, that I get to do that. And, um, uh, I guess the long and short of it is that we did, um, Christmas walls, which was, um, a big success for the network and was the first time really that they, they introduced uh, as much dance as a main component. Um, and that I had to train a lot in a lot of techniques that I've never done before. Um, we had people at the helm of that film that had done dance films before. So it was, it was very well constructed. That's actually where I met the choreographer, Jean-Marc, who I now use for the dancing detectives. Um, I think that I saw an opportunity um, at that point. I had um, several productions in uh, development and I saw an opportunity to bring to Hallmark more of what had just done really well. Um, and so harking back to wanting to create and be a part of the process, The Dancing Detective is really my first foray into developing projects uh, co-creating projects and working with a script writer choreographer casting the whole thing i love to be involved in all of that as much as i can and i just thought it would be great to bring the dance element back to lacy but also put her in the detective role mm. to give her an opportunity to play something different yeah. that you don't always see her be quite so dry and quite so um uh not Kurt, but she gets to do these whimsical banter phrases that she does, so, these one-liners that she does so well that I don't think she gets the chance to be that sort of tough or that sort of, you know, it's a bit sassy, and I love sassy. For her, she's brilliant at it. Yeah. Uh, before we get to paging Mr. Darcy, I just really quickly want to touch on Jolly Good Christmas, uh, a movie that takes place in London <laughs> where you... Just, he knows what's coming. Yeah, you you're an American. Face. Why? In such a fun premise <laughs> for a film, too. How did it happen? Uh, well, it it happened. So <laughs> let's start there. It's been and gone, and like it or not, you got to lump it. No, it was, it was, it was, um, it it. That's what was in the script. It, it was written that way. Again, if I'm really ca uh, candid and honest, I jumped onto that very late in the day. And um, uh, it, it's, a, it's a Ron Oliver script yeah. who... Yeah, he's a legend. He's been on our show many times. He's a legend. Yeah. Totally. The network had seen me play American in other things with no pr problem. It, uh, as an actor, it's what I do, right? Yeah. Um, I... The irony is not lost on me. It was a lot harder um, playing the only American yeah. component. Yeah. I never film in the UK these days. And to be filming in Piccadilly, Leicester Square, Westminster, surrounded by an English crew. <laughs> That's um, tough. It, it, yeah, listen, I'm not going to lie. It was a real challenge. Did I enjoy it? Yeah, of course I do. I love a challenge. I love, and I, I I didn't even question it once they said, oh, by the way, you're going to be playing it as an American. So I was like, sure, okay, I've done that before. 
I think I can say in my defense, there was crew members that didn't know I wasn't American. Nice. There was there a couple go. of guys on the crew that were there like, bloody hell. <laughs> You're, you're English. Where are you from? Uh, from Hertfordshire. Like, no way. We thought you American. And Dude. they could have been the best actors in the world and totally like, but I felt good after that. I know that a lot of Hallmark audiences felt cheated because I didn't have an accent. The irony is that I did have an accent, yes. but they wanted me British. They, want, they made it very clear that uh, they're going to find it very hard if I turn up with any other accent. I feel like Although if the movie's in Tulsa, Oklahoma and you have an accent, it's fun. I, I, yeah. I think the irony yeah. was the cross, yeah. but the you doing the accent of the crew members, you're ready for a Guy Ritchie movie now. <laughs> like, you're in. Oh, I have met Guy, and I would still love to work. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, for sure. I think you'd fit right in. Guy Ritchie listens to this podcast. Yeah, I'm we're sure actually uh, big, yeah, big yeah, friends. He does, actually. Yeah. 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 Let's talk yeah. about the new one, Jane Austen. She's also kind of important in British history. Who that? Uh... Uh, yeah, you you yeah. get to be in some sort of, <laughs> I'm assuming, paging Mr. Darcy some sort of Pride and Prejudice remake or or some sort of takeoff yeah. on it. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, one. yeah. Okay, so here you go. In a nutshell, it, it's definitely not a remake. It is. It is. It plays on the Mr. Darcy theme. It's it's about a scholar who uh, a, a, and a professor who attends a fan con. Um, has a keynote speaker um, played by Mallory Chanson, who's a delight. And the first time we got to work together, she does an American accent brilliantly. She's, She's Australian, Australian actress, yeah, yeah. who's played lot. Yeah. And actually it was weird when she swapped back, like on the weekends, she would go, Hey mate, how you doing? And I was <laughs> like, Oh, of course you're right. So, um, but our movie paging Mr. Darcy, uh, so my character, Sam Lee, uh, basically does a favor every year for his aunt, who he's very close with and very protective of, and plays Mr. Darcy at the convention. And it's a character that was pitched to me and I saw. He's um, he, a shy guy who works in startups. He's actually made a lot of money, but finds his confidence and finds that he really enjoys putting on a costume and becoming another that's person. so interesting huh, interesting your story. pretty much like myself yeah, i just met somebody yeah. like that um <laughs> right i mean <laughs> um so it's not a retelling it it it's it, it, it's in, it involves and, and and revolves around a jane austen fan convention nice but you do have what was great about the script and what was intriguing to me is there are echoes of sense and sensibility, particularly, uh, sorry, pride and prejudice, my God, um, uh, in, in, t in terms of relationships, in terms of character development, in terms of the pride, in terms of the prejudice right. um, about each other. So it's, it's, it's multi-layered. It is, that's a, probably where it ends. It's just, it's called paging Mr. Darcy. I play the guy who dresses up as Mr. Darcy at the convention. I love convention. it. Sounds fun. Yes, I love it. Uh, airs this Saturday on the Hallmark Channel. Right. We're very much looking Absolutely. forward to it. Uh, before we let you go, we're going to do a quick rapid fire, yes. which is different than what we have been doing in that <laughs> these questions can be about anything. That's right. Unlike and we've before. clearly been very in the box yeah. so far. Dan, we're just going to ask you three questions. We're going to go as quickly as possible. Is there a specific dancing teacher from your life you'd like to give a shout out to? Oh, uh -huh. 
Elizabeth Harrison, who's actually my godmother as wow. well, um, who taught me from the very and taught my sister and my brother, Elizabeth. I love you, Lizzie. Love it. I don't believe in guilty pleasures, but in the traditional sense, do, is there a guilty pleasure TV show that you have been consuming? Oh, my goodness. Well, guilty pleasures are good. I, I love Murders in the Building. I think that's a guilty oh, it's pleasure. So good. It's a good show. I watched that with my daughter. My son and I watch Barry, which I think is friggin' oh, amazing. Um, amazing. One of the best shows on TV. Exactly. Ozark. I love that. Yeah. I'm so sad when that stopped. Um, I'm pretty, I, I, I don't have much t- free time. A guilty pleasure of mine, here's one, is playing PlayStation. Ooh, Ooh, what games? If I get a chance, what do you play? I'll lock myself away. I'll play like the one, I've got like the Avatar game. I'll play FIFA. I'll play all the. Um, Basically, the single-player games where you get to um, explore lands and uh, 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 Assassin's Creed, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. So if I get a chance, I'll literally disappear in basically like a Disney kid. Yeah, there you go. I I'll love disappear it. into my own little world. Uh, that, that's probably my guilty pleasure. Will, I am a free agent when it comes to picking a football club to cheer for in Europe. I, uh, I've never – I'm trying to get into soccer because that's what we call it here. Who's your football club and pitch me on why I should be a fan? On the pitch. On the pitch. Well, here's 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 the conundrum. I was never brought up watching football. My dad hates oh, okay. wow. My cousin used to play. My cousin used to play, so I used to go and watch him. I was born near Watford. So Watford is my team. Uh they're pretty terrible. <laughs> um my son loves Man City. Okay. His late grandfather, who he never got to meet, was an out was a was a, a real hardcore fan, um, and so he took on that mantle. And City are a phenomenal team to watch. Then people they're not very popular. They don't have huge amounts of fans. Brother-in-law supports Liverpool, which I get, but City man, Man City. It's beautiful. In fact, they're playing tonight, and I've got a little gap between interviews, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna watch that game. I love it. Um, you get to travel a good bit for work, uh, especially being a London-based actor that does a lot of stuff in Canada and whatnot. Uh, what is your uh, favorite city that you get to work in, or have worked oh, in man. in the past? Oh gosh, that's that's a very good question. I was in Budapest uh, oh. for a lot uh, last year, which was a new one for me, uh, which was beautiful. Um, I, I, I still would like to work somewhere really warm and tropical. Get me a job in Hawaii yeah. or Caribbean. Yeah. I've still got that's That's the list. Um, I'd actually like to work in LA again. Um, but Budapest is pretty amazing. It's a classic. You, can't, you can't say one answer there. Yeah. Come on. No, that's good. Do it. That's good. No, to be honest, it's about the mix. I found as I'm getting older, it's not, you can't have the one thing The little, Life is like a box of chocolates, right? You never know what you're going to get. But it, but it's also about it's about every one of those different tastes, and that's what makes the box of life so sweet. Yeah. Uh, well, this is purely selfish. I have twin boys that are seven, about to be eight. My wife and my twin boys are going to London in March. Wow. Tell me not. Oh, it should come yeah, stay. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I, I will yeah, coordinate yeah, yeah. something. Obviously, we'll get together. But Definitely. when I'm doing touristy stuff. You and your kids will watch Barry. With that's right. Yeah, my kids watching Barry <laughs> yeah. would be a, a treat. Your seven-year-olds are going right. to love it. Uh, tell me something. Exactly. We'll play games together. Yeah, I all... You know, I read about the the double decker buses and the London Eye and the blah blah blah. Tell me something yep. that from a, a someone that's from around there, a, a restaurant or something that my kids and me need to experience. Mm. Depending on the time of year, if it's soon, 
do you know what the tower of london is pretty friggin amazing and i i'm not as much of a tourist here as i would want to be i would definitely do the london bridge the tower of london the whole henry the eighth uh sort of period and time is fascinating even you can go out to hampton court there is so much history here mm. which even i'm a bit of an idiot about um and and i've i've sort of gotten back into it through my kids who do all these great school trips um so i i, I would plug into that sort of era and 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 appreciate the historical i mean for, for you and your wife there's pubs here that are you know thousands yeah. of years uh, old yeah there's buildings here that are older than uh, the majority of any where else dive in dive in and go to town yes you can do the buses and the big wheel and always but go back to the history specifically henry the eighth it's um it's fascinating love it great answer yeah. uh, my last one obviously uh, again you travel a good bit for work when you're on planes um heading to canada or wherever what do you listen to are you a podcast <laughs> guy are you a music guy and if uh, one or the other what is the thing that you the the specific uh, band good, or whatever good question very good question i planes for me are either i'm i'm asleep i catch up on movies I do, I would listen if I was going to be like in a calming space on a long flight. Um, uh, I would listen to more of the sort of real relaxing stuff, um, trying to get specific for you. But a lot of the time, planes are prep time. Mm. That's, if I'm going on a job, I'll still be at that script. I'll still be, I'll still be writing notes, reading, highlighting usually i use that as prep time um and if it's at the end of a job then i'll just be drunk so i'll pass out <laughs> classic love it Fair. we did it will you are a national treasure sir international international treasure. in fact yes. uh even international. uh thank you so much well, he's mr international yeah. and he's already said he's coming back which wow. is exciting for all of us so many more stories ahead you need to check out his new movie paging mr darcy hallmark channel this saturday night saturday night Correct. that's exactly right um we Brent. did it. We did it. Uh, well, we always end this way, and I know it feels weird because it's uh, yeah, but January just try to February. Hang tight for us. But maybe we'll be the first to wish you a Merry Christmas. Christmas. Deck the Hallmarks of Bramble Jam podcast is produced by Aaron Shea. What? For more information on Deck the Hallmark, you can go to deckthehallmark.com. For more information on the Deck the Hallmark family, you can go to bramblejamplus.com. Deck the Hallmark is presented by Philo TV. For a free trial of Philo, go to philo.tv slash DTH. You're about to hear some ads that help keep the lights on here in the old studio. Thanks for listening or don't listen. It's really up to you at this point. It's at the end of the show. I mean, you're listening to me. Hi. But here they come. I promise they're coming. Yep. Here they are. Happy day.